everyone. Wednesday the 30th of March. Plenty of action overnight, both overseas and locally with the budget, of course. Marcus, good morning. And could you please give us the rundown? Morning, Benito. Morning rundown. Dow Jones up again, up 338. Futures are up 56 and our market's up about 35, I think. We were up 52 yesterday and we're back in bull market mode. Impetus is coming from, clearly coming from tech stocks. Did it yesterday, did it today. But you can look at all sorts of tech stocks. Afterpay, for instance, is now up 67% since February. Never, never write a stock off. And we're playing that in a couple of ideas, which we've got in the forever portfolio and in the ideas section. Uh, things like Zero, MP1. I really am regretting, obviously in hindsight it's easy, but regretting not going harder when we picked the Russian bottom just before I went on holiday on tech stocks in particular. But if you look at the all tech index, there seems to be a much more upside there than there does in the market generally at the moment. So that's probably the play and that's certainly playing out today. Also volatility's going down and overnight we saw that two and ten year US bond yield invert momentarily. It did uninverted by the end of the day. But it's a, a bit irrelevant the fact that it inverts for a moment. The message is already out there. The market believes, the bond market believes the Fed's going to rip rates up to stop inflation getting ingrained and the market seems to have moved from worrying about high PE stocks and worrying about interest rate rises to celebrating the fact that the Fed are getting ahead of the curve rather than behind the curve and that this inflation problem will be temporary, not ingrained. So the bull market has resumed and I'll come to the strategy a bit later. We've done something about that today. Otherwise, the iron ore price a bit flat and the oil price coming off the top now. So oil looks like a bit of a sell as the Russian ceasefire talks continue. Gold coming off the top as well. Nobody needs safe haven assets whilst the market's going up. And that is probably it. Doubtless you've got a couple of things to say about the budget. So do I. Yep, certainly do. Tom can't be with us this morning, so I'll cover off what's happening in our local market a little bit. As you mentioned, Marcus, a lot of focus on the budget. As always, plenty of winners and losers. A few headlines on it. There's plenty more in the newsletter, so check that out if you want to get in the budget. But a few headlines. Listed pathology companies, the likes of Sonic Healthcare, Helios, ACL should benefit from an additional over half a billion dollars in Medicare funding for COVID-19 testing. The fuel excise will be reduced by 50% for six months. So I read somewhere that that means approximately 22 cents off the fuel price for the next six months. So that helps that inflation concern a little bit. And you'll see a lot of the motor stocks are sort of up 3% today from BAPCOR to ARB. You know, it's just a sentiment, short-term sentiment thing. Yep. We've also got a $420 cost of living tax offset that jumps on top of the $1,500 one for low and middle income earners that we saw last year. So that'll be a tax time benefit and a bonus $250 in a one-off tax exempt payment for eligible pensioners, welfare recipients, veterans, and concession card holders. And that, that consumer bribery is playing out in our market. Again, short term this morning, things like Kogan's up 4.5%, Harvey Norman, Domino's, travel stocks, consumer discretionary spending stocks going up. Harvey Norman, by the way, is ex-dividend tomorrow, I believe. Good note. It's kind of, we were saying, I think yesterday, it's a bit of a, a funny uh, time when you're talking about the big concern being inflation and the government's adding some handouts to the pile. So, uh, but yeah, unprecedented is the uh, buzzword of the last year or so. So we'll keep that running. Uh, we also saw a 10-year, $120 billion investment into infrastructure, $1.7 billion in a 10-year plan for online security, and a further $2.1 billion in initiatives to create opportunities for women to fulfill their potential. As Marcus said, there's lots of individual stocks seeing a little boost there, and there's plenty more in the newsletter if you want to get your budget fixed. Uh, but I think generally the message 
messages from the budget. It's politically driven, it's consumer bribery, voter bribery, and therefore generally positive for the market. This was never going to be a seismic negative, uh, and it hasn't been. And international investors, they don't have to invest in Australia, and they do look at things like the budget, and they will look at it and go, cool, no reason to worry about Australia at the moment. Yeah, and as as you said in the lead up, this close to an election, they were never going to do anything overly drastic. And I think it was summed up fairly well by an analyst out of NAB who said that the budget didn't contain many surprises, unlikely to have a big influence on the market, and it does seem that way so yeah. far. Elsewhere, a few little bits and pieces. Telstra is down half a percent after CEO Andy Penn announced his retirement. CFO Vicky Bradley is set to resign. A little bit interesting because Andy Penn was the man in charge of the kind of restoration of Telstra and making it into a modern day company, and they're still in the process of that, so jumping ship a little bit. Be interesting to see what happens there. Star Entertainment Group confirmed it has been served a securities class action, claiming it failed to comply with continuous disclosure requirements and engaged in misleading and deceptive conduct, but it's a, up half a percent. A, a casino doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's up half a percent, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They've got the right people running. Yeah. We also have 88 Energy down 51% after the Alaskan oil explorer warned shareholders of disappointing drilling results. Lots of volatility there. I think Henry will have a bit more on that. It is in his portfolio for the moment, so he's got a bit of a, a look deeper into that. And we've got Fortescue in a trading halt for reasons unknown. The only major news overnight was an announcement of a joint project with a German energy provider E.ON. I'm guessing that's how we say it, but as a non-German, I'm not sure. <laughs> to help deliver 5 million tonnes per year of hydrogen energy from renewable sources to Europe by 2030 to help alleviate its Russian dependence. Nothing else out of Fortescue. That doesn't seem like it's probably enough to put it in a trading halt, so keep your eyes open there. And that's about it from our market today. Layden, much coming out of the brokers? Thanks, Ben. Nothing too big coming out. There's no upgrades or big price moves yet. I've got near map. Morgan Stanley is overweight and has a target price of $2.60, which is 72% above the current share price. And it was up 16.5% yesterday on the annual contract value announcement that they released. And I saw, Marcus, you've got it in the ideas today. So I'm sure yeah, I've done quite a big write-up on near map just because it caught my imagination as a potential one-stock portfolio stock. I mean, it's done terribly. In the last couple of years, it's gone from a high of 420 down to, what is it now, $1.50 or something. And it's down from $2.30 in December down to $1.50. And it suddenly had a 16% bounce. The, not, not a lot of director activity, but directors have been buying shares in small size, but it might be big size for their own personal buying, on-market buying as well. And when you read the results announcements, this is a company, I hate to say it, a little bit like Afterpay, where they are building an asset, having a territory grab of, because essentially they are mapping North America, Australia, New Zealand, and uh, maybe one day other other countries in the rest of the world. But they are mapping it, building an archive, photographing it, and you subscribe as a government and insurance company to see what's happening to buildings, land, and it's an essential part of some uh, of the operations of some of their clients to continue with this. And their technology is obviously good. They've got some competition, but they are a bit, little bit, as I say, like a, like a company like Afterpay. When you look at it, Buffett would never touch it because it makes losses. But you look at their top line growth and you look at their gross profit and it is spectacular. They are a growing company, but you look at 
their bottom line profit after sales and marketing, capital expenditure, research development, they are managing not to make a profit at all. And I would love to get the CEO on the couch to say, right, what is your strategy? When are you? Because I, I reckon they could, like Afterpay, they could decide when they want to start announcing profits by cutting back <laughs> on CapEx. But they've got a lot of investment to do. They're building an asset. It is interesting. The numbers don't say buy, but the strategy might. So uh, I just found it very interesting as a potential one-stock portfolio stock. Plus, short term, it turned up as a momentum trade, bottoming on the charts, buy signals in the short term. And so I'm I'm interested to see what the wash-up of research. To see Morgan Stanley, I'm guessing Morgan Stanley are their broker with a target price 72% above the current share price, or they're simply a broker that's got it wrong and won't admit it. <laughs> but, and I think Macquarie cover them, there's another broker covers them as well. They all seem to generally like it, but it doesn't make any money. So this is a not obvious from the fundamentals, not obvious potential one-stock portfolio stock. So quite interesting. You could see a couple of extra uh, areas of use for the mapping and imaging things going forward with climate change, defence, those kind of areas that they're not necessarily doing now, but as a growth company, you want areas you can grow into. There's some... Yeah, I, I don't think that's the point. They've got such yeah. a massive market to exploit in their current uh, segments without going elsewhere. They're, they've got the whole of North America, which is now bigger than New Zealand, and they had that annual contract value announcement yesterday. They just seem to be making steady progress, and the fact they're not making a profit means a lot of us will just ignore it, but maybe an opportunity. They've obviously got some litigation risk at the moment, which could drop either way and create a seismic move on one day without notice, but that's the risk you take. Anyway, so yes, you can see some brokers there, I think, are looking very long-term rather than short-term. Thank you. Also got AML payments. Macquarie predicts interest on stored client balances to equate to $45 million of interest revenue upside. They've got an outperform rating and they've lifted their target price just under 4% to $3.95, which suggests an upside of 37%. Sorry, that's Macquarie on email payments, EML, EML. uh, with a target price 37% above country. And Citi commented on the federal budget. They said that it should provide around an $8 billion boost to household disposable income between 2022 and 2023 and believe that supermarkets will be the largest beneficiaries. They've just retained all of their target prices and ratings so far, but they've got buyers for super retail group Woolworths, Harvey Norman and Coles. Woolworths, Harvey Norman and Coles are all pretty modest targets. They're only about 5 to 9% above the current share prices. But super retail group, they've got a target 39% above the current share price. That's it for me. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, Leighton. Now, Chris is busy doing a webinar on how to set stop losses for NAB right now. But in technical trades today, he is highlighting APA as his chart of the day. And he's got a bit of commentary there as well as his open trades. So check that out. And Henry too is tied up with media right now. But he is looking at a couple of member ideas in the vanadium space and is running his eye over the budget as well. That leaves us with Marcus. Yeah, strategy. I've got five strategy points today. The first one I've mentioned, finally. The US yield curve inverts but uninverts by the close. Not a significant thing. We know that's happening already. The NASDAQ's broken the downtrend. Have a look at the chart. And that seems to be where the upside is if you're at all optimistic. We seem to have got over this interest rate fears hurting technology theme. And it's now interest rates rising will kill the inflation problem. And so technology can go up again. Uh, I've written the bull market resumes. Have a look at the chart of the ASX 200. We have broken out the top of the range. And and volatility is dropping significantly. Have a look at the chart of the VIX volatility index. And tech stocks are on a charge. 
the stocks that got clobbered in the Russian sell-off and the interest rate sell-off earlier this year are coming back hard. Be that zero for us, zero, REA, Seek, Car, Next, DC, MP1. And then I've got a little thing on the budget which we've covered already. The net effect is we are holding 53% cash in our strategy portfolio. Our other portfolios are fully invested. We never sold out on the Russian thing. And so we actually had have had a fabulous couple of days and including today. But in our strategy portfolio, I sold the S&P 500 ETF. I'm buying it back today. I'm buying, a, we've got 53% cash, putting 25% in IVV, which is the S&P 500 ETF, and also putting 25% in the NASDAQ 100 ETF. And a net result, we are putting some money back into the strategy portfolio. We've got too much cash, 53% cash. Today, I'm buying a 25% holding in IVV, the S&P 500 ETF, and a 25% holding in NDQ, which is the NASDAQ 100 ETF. Previously, we've only really played in the S&P 500, but I think the NASDAQ and tech stocks have more recovery potential, especially if you look at the charts. So today, getting fully up to weight in strategy, I should have done that when before I went away on holiday when we called the Russian bottom, but didn't. Too late to go back now, but it's inappropriate to be holding 53% cash as the market starts to rally hard again. And for, I, I should have done it two weeks ago, but um, getting up to weight again in the NASDAQ and the S&P 500. Finally, in the ideas section, you'll see our current ideas. We did time that Russian bottom really quite fabulously. We've got one, two, three, four stocks up over 10% since, including Macquarie, uh, which is up 13% in a couple of weeks. So done very nicely there. No reason to be taking any profits just yet. Beautiful. Thank you, Marcus. And our question of the day today, if you were to buy a one-year-old child, grandchild, niece, nephew, a present that was stocks for their first birthday, what would it be? Len? I reckon I'd have to go pretty boring and just a nice ETF, maybe an S&P 500, but yeah, something Straight down Main Street? Yeah. I like it. Yawn. Marcus? (laughs) Uh, usually the answer to this for the last 20 years has been to buy them AFIC. This was before the ETF market got going, which AFIC is the ASX 300, effectively ASX 300 listed investment company, which pays quite a decent yield, sort of 4% plus. And that was where you always went. And AFIC would send you every year or send your, your grandchild every year an annual report, which had a whole thing about what they invest in, which is sort of how to invest in the whole market, which was quite interesting. Nowadays, people would probably buy them an ETF. Uh, I don't think I'd do that. I want them to remember Uncle Marcus as the guy that paid for my Aston Martin or who was a complete idiot and lost me all my money. So I would go uh, something more geared into the future world, into their world. I don't know I'm on the spot what stock, but at the moment the only one I hold beside Nickel is an EV play, but I think you could you could certainly find a, a better stock than that. Maybe some Bitcoin? Actually, that's not a bad idea, Leighton. Maybe we just get them some Bitcoin, although doubtless whatever burglar we bought it off would would have disappeared by the time they come to cash it in. I like it. I'm I'm much down the same path. Something that's hopefully going to have them be very happy on their 18th birthday when they get get access to it. But I would go kind of split the middle with an ETF that was geared to it. So a really future-facing ETF that might be renewable energy or... uh, Cyber or Yeah, security, one of those ones that which the ones I like anyway but something that I think is going to be a lot bigger in the world in 20 years time than it is now along those lines I have put in the strategy piece today a link to our ETF spreadsheet so you could pick one off there very good great timing all right that wraps us up thanks guys we'll see you tomorrow